When to close a church. This is the topic of this week's ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Today on ReChurch, we have Bruce McAllister with us to discuss a topic that many of us don't like to talk about, right, Bruce? That's right. So, Bruce, thanks for joining us. Uh, Today's topic is going to be on when to close a church. So this podcast, this course, is going to both pastors, church leaders. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background of you've planted a church and you've closed a church. So tell us a little bit about your history there and your experience. Well, uh, when I was 26 years old, uh, my wife and I started on the weekends going up to Forest City, North Carolina, and we planted Tri-City Baptist Church over a period of four years and uh, had a great time. It was with semi-rural people and just good old folks, and the Lord blessed. We built a building. They called a full-time pastor, and I was working at Bob Jones full-time during those years. And right. So let's back up just a minute. So right now you've been at Bob Jones how many years? At that point, I had served there about three or four years. But right now? Right now? This recording. <laughs> and I'm in my 41st full-time right. year. So yeah. I'm saying that because yeah. for the sake of our hearers who don't know you, a vast number of years of experience in ministry, okay? Well, it's not that vast. So, well, uh, <laughs> well, we will, we will say yeah, it is. Okay, so, okay. Right. Yeah. so as we talk about this, your positions at Bob Jones, you have been in charge of church planting. You taught church planting for about 25 or so years, I think. And, and led uh, ministries and helped pastors find churches. Yeah. So your life has been the church. Yeah, it has. Okay. It has. So now... Um, in those four years, you were planning a church, you bought property, built a building, and really transitioned to a full-time pastor. Right. I helped the church call a right. pastor. So yep. that's that's the hand of God doing yeah, that. Yeah, that was a blessing. And it's still going today and doing well. Lord's been good to that church. So All right. So now God. let's flip the situation. You were asked, again, a church in another region, North Carolina. Yeah. And you were asked to go there. All yep. right. So yep. explain the situation, okay. and then we'll launch into the discussion. All right. So, uh at this point, I was uh, starting to re-engage with the rest of my Master Divinity studies. And so I was busy on that front. We had, by that point, we had two little boys. Mm. Uh, we had a little girl born in 1987, which was a couple of years into this new uh, weekend pastorate. And it's actually, a lot of times, this is Sunday work. You actually drive up on Sunday morning. You might go up there on Saturday and that kind of thing. So it's taking your margin of time you have left after working full-time and you're trying to invest it in the Lord's work. So this little church, uh, Dr. Rupp, my predecessor, Dr. Richard Rupp, had been contacted by the church and they were looking for, uh, they couldn't afford, I'm sure, a full-time pastor. So they were looking for somebody to come and help them and so, Dr. so you Rupp, were basically a bivocational pastor. I was, yeah, yeah, I was. So Dr. Rupp asked me if I would consider that. So I went up and preached for a few months, and then they called me to be their pastor. So when I got there, there were maybe 15, maybe 20 people. And how old was church. the church? Church, I'm guessing, would, it's a little distant memory now, but it, 25, maybe 25 years old. Okay. I'm not sure they ever had a fully developed theology and philosophy of ministry like we think of today. They were good folks. It was a Bible church. They had Methodist people from that background, and they had a good Bible teaching pastor that pulled it together. So I think at one time they were running 125 people. Oh. 
But by the time they called Dr. Rupp and I got involved, they had probably been on, you know, very small now for, oh, five, six, seven years, something like that. So how long had they been without a pastor when you came? Well, <laughs> or do you know? it's a short, not very long, actually. Okay. You have these odd dynamics. They had a parsonage yeah. a block from the church. The former pastor was still living in the parsonage. Okay. They had let him now, go. How was he at this point? Oh, uh, you know, he was probably in his 50s, maybe okay. 60 right. or so right. like that. But anyway, that. they had, they had yeah. separated their ways. And yeah, and he actually had things still stored in the church building. There was actually, I came across, uh, he had a gun reloading rig, mm-hmm. like a shotgun shell reloading rig in the church pastor study, which kind of like, wow. Okay. And I thought, I found what I thought was gunpowder in one of the buildings, but, and I thought, oh no, I've gotten into a, an unusual <laughs> group here, but uh, actually it was, it was sandblasting filings and not gunpowder. Okay. I was thankful for that. So as of many uh, interesting and humorous things that took place, but these were sweet people. Uh, some of them were familiar with BJU, some of them not so much so, but nice people. They were sweet. They were discouraged. Some of the wives had stopped coming to church. And so we just had a handful of people, we had a 225-seat auditorium. And, and how many people are coming now? 15? 15 or 20. You know, the, the paint was peeling off the gutters on the outside, the kudzu was strong on the property. They had an old dry cleaning building that on part of the property that had been donated. I uh, found out later it was leaking Varsol into the water table. When we got ready to dissolve, we had to do an environmental cleanup, which could have taken all the value of the building itself, but it only cost us about 10000 in the end. The carpet was, was red carpet in the auditorium, but the sun had bleached it out. And when you mm. walked on the carpet, you got red carpet filings or dust or whatever on your shoes so you just you had these kind of things going on they owed the former pastor it was either seven or eleven thousand dollars in back pay they owed the missionaries they had stopped supporting eight seven or eight missionaries before i got there and they owed them back pay in a sense thirty seven thousand dollars wow but other than that type of debt they didn't really have I don't think they had debt on the building or anything like that. So, so you can the imagine. building was debt free, but basically you get there, the church is, yeah. is declined yeah. down to 15 and the facilities are having problems. Yeah. The people are having yeah. problems. Yeah. So what was the average age member of the church? You know, I thought they were older when I was there. Now they're <laughs> looking back, they're younger than I am now, <laughs> but uh, they were, they were probably in their mid to upper fifties at the time. All right. So at this time, how long it had been in a declining state? Do you know for how many years? Well, by the time we wrapped it up, I'd say 10 years, but probably five to six, seven, eight years. It probably started declining longer back than that, but I don't know how long they had only had a handful of people like that. So. And so by the time you came, they couldn't support a pastor full-time. Yeah. They yeah. couldn't. They were in arrears to their missionary support. They owed the pastor yeah. you know, several thousand dollars yeah. in back yeah. pay. Yeah. So when you came there, what was a general indicator, or those listening, what would you say would be some general indicators that this church cannot refocus and recover? Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about okay. your experience. Of, as you're walking down this, yeah. this path, driving up on Sundays and yeah. building in decline, people in decline, I mean, yeah. just talk yeah. through that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, I did not go there in the least to think about closing. Closing a church is the furthest thing from my ministry goals 
it never crossed my mind I'd be part of closing a church. Mm. So we went in to try to help uh, get it back on its feet. And, uh, you know, the idea would be eventually they'd call a full-time pastor and and go forward again. So I did what I could with the time that I had. I, I mentioned I was... I kicked in and did three years of MDiv studies. I took 58 graduate hours in three calendar years. Mm. So, uh, plus working full time at BJ during that time. So, I didn't have a great margin of time to put into this, but we did what we could. And basically, we got the people encouraged. The wives were coming to church now. They were getting the word, they were singing, they were doing very basic church mm-hmm. ministry. And the Lord was blessing. Uh, we had a very good relationship with the people. They had. You know, just like any group of people, they had personal things, family issues here and there, and, and normal people problems, but uh, nothing particularly insurmountable. So we, we really had a good ministry with them, but as time went by, after two or three years, I realized I thought I had done everything I could do for them. What would they like to do? And I think given the fact there were several fine full-service, full-time pastor churches in the area where we were, compatible, ballpark compatible, you know, type mm-hmm. churches, that one of the options that we began to discuss was was dissolving the church. Now, it's easy for a guy who doesn't have a long history with a church to yeah. suggest that, but everyone else who has years and years of memories and investment, Emotion, you know, yeah. wow. I mean, yeah. that's a whole different thing. That's like my mother-in-law just moved out of her home that she's been in for 63 and a half years. Mm. And she and her husband were there together until he died two years ago. So even though to somebody else moving into that house, it's just a house, but, but to us, you sure. have a lifetime of memories there. So churches are like that too. And it's, so let me back up a minute. As the church was declining and you were preaching each Sunday, did you find certain books to preach through or certain topics that you found encouraged them? You said that people began to, some came back, they began to sing again, they began to uh, enjoy ministry again. Was there certain messages or books that you found or was it just the preaching? (laughs) Was it just the preaching of the word and maybe some um, new energy in the church? Yeah, we we had two or three young couples, one single grad student as well, fella. Uh, that went on to the mission field, and they were coming. So we, okay. we had two or three couples, six or eight people coming from Greenville to help. Now, were they at the church before you went? No. So, okay, so when so, you and Ellen and the kids went, you brought yeah. some others. Yeah, we, okay, so we were careful like not to. Okay, so almost like But nice, nice younger couples, and so I think that helped uh, with oh, yeah. the whole thing. And uh, Especially with the singing. Right? Yeah, with the singing. We, one of them was a piano player, and we just had a good time. I don't remember what I preached on. I'm My pattern is basically, as a pastor, half expository, go through books, and half mm-hmm. topical. So I'm more on the practical side in my in my general preaching than you know heavy-duty preaching, especially back then when I was young. And so I don't recall really too much about that. But. All right, but but still, there seemed to be some joy there. Oh yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. So as again, as the church is declining, now again, I'm interviewing Bruce McAllister, and the topic of this podcast is when or how do you close a church. So was there a particular point in time? Yeah. When you said, or the people came together, was there any? Was it a series of things, or a definite? Yeah. Okay, now's the time. Yeah that you can kind of share your story there in North Carolina. Yeah. I think what the driving issue is the spiritual health of the people. And 
what you do in this case, week after week, these people are faithfully coming, they're giving, you're doing basic church ministry. And, and you, can, you can keep going like that for a long, long time, but they need more than what a weekend pastor can do and yeah. just being with 10 or 15 people that they've known for a long time. So I felt like for their good, they needed to consider going to more established, full, fully developed, fully functioning, I call them full-service full churches with a full-time pastor. Because there were some in the area that yeah, theologically yeah. They, were, yeah. they were fine with. Right, okay. right. And, so, and these were people that had some gifts they could use in the service of the Lord. They were sweet people. And we had almost no difficulty among us. I mean, just we, it, was not, it was not strife. They were happy to have us. We were happy for the opportunity to come and have a little ministry with them. But there comes a point when you got to face the reality that, you know, the time maybe has come. And so I forget exactly how we came to that formally, but when we got to that point, I made a pretty detailed uh, written proposal that the leaders, lay leaders would consider, and then eventually the membership would consider, and we voted on that, and the vote was nine to one to close the church. And I'll tell you how small the church was, it was nine to one. And we got an attorney involved in it, so made sure we did it by the book. And he, he wanted us to re-vote it, just to be sure there was, you know, this was maybe a year later we re-voted it. Because it takes time. To, and so we voted, and we were 10 to 0 that time. Okay. You know, but, so from that year, now talk to me, because we've got lawyers doing their work. Yeah. But the church continued to function during that year um, as much as possible. Yeah. There was a point when we quit having services. When okay. We, you know, maybe during that year? May, yeah. I, if I recall, okay. maybe six months into the process. And So at that point, were the people attending other yeah, churches, yeah. so they were able right. to get assimilated yeah. into right. another Bible-leading right. church. It's important, in my judgment, to continue having membership. This is really critical. You have to know for sure who your members are when you get down to voting on dissolution. Mm. You don't want to have a bunch of former members or professing former members come back in and get involved in a vote on something like that. Because our assets, as it turned out, we thought we might have had $400,000 of assets in the building, but you can't really get full market value for a church usually. So we ended up selling the church. Um, we were trying to sell it to the state of North Carolina because we were near one of their schools, but they couldn't get that through the legislature or something or chose not to. And so we ended up selling it to a conservative Presbyterian church for $255,000. Okay. And that included five or so thousand dollars of assets like furniture and that kind of right. thing. And that's a long discussion to talk about the, the arm's length uh, procedure you have to use. People don't just start say, well, I donated that desk. I'll take that right. home. You, uh, you know, it's 501c3 nonprofit. So you have to go, you have to everything. Uh, we had appraisers come in. I think maybe two different appraisers came in and appraised things. So at this point, you got to go to an attorney. I, that I think you're, right. you're yeah. yeah, I think yeah. so. I would do that just so yeah. there's nothing comes back on you. So we did that and he was helpful. So we ended up selling it to this Presbyterian church, and they already had a developed church they'd had for years in a rental facility. And I went back a few years ago with one of my daughters. She had never actually seen it because she was not even born when we okay. finished up that. And the pastor was there, and I found out that they packed the building out. Wow. Uh, they, they took the baptistry out, Marsha, <laughs> and, uh, and to make more room yeah. and uh, because they didn't need it, the baptism by immersion baptistry. So um, they did that. But they're Bible-believing people preaching the gospel, and, and they actually purchased the property on a mortgage mm -hmm. that went to the trust fund that we established for the assets of the property. 
so I teased them that, that this Presbyterian church had actually helped to plant so, quite a few. We'll talk about that, yeah, but they had actually right. helped to plant. So, yeah, all right, so let's talk. Yeah. All right, so now right, the so. building is now another Bible-believing church. They're yeah. packing it out, okay? But yeah. now let's talk about repurposing the money, repurposing okay. yeah. the money from the assets. So okay. tell us okay. a little bit about because right. it's a great story. <laughs> so it's I say it that way to yeah. those who are thinking about closing yeah. a church yeah. of what God can do yeah with those assets. So tell us in the next couple of minutes of what's happened. So a church needs a good dissolution clause in their constitution that will direct, at least in general terms, where the assets will go if the church were to dissolve. And that may direct it very specifically, or it may have a general direction to it. Ours would have been more general. So I propose that we, number one, pay the missionaries their back pay that we owe them. So that's what we did. And we voted on all this, uh, $37,000. And we, of course, you can't give it directly to the missionary, but to the missionary agency, you can right. give it because it's 501c3, two 501c3. We gave uh, a large Christian camp about 5000 We gave 5000 to um, a church plant up in Wisconsin. One of the men's, his son was the church mm-hmm. planter there. And, and then we set up an agreement where this money would go to a trust fund held by a mission agency, and the principal cannot be diminished. So it was like the assets, at least the building part of the assets of all those years of giving, would not just evaporate and be given away and consumed, but it would establish a permanent trust fund, the interest of which, the way we set it up, we didn't lock it in too narrowly, but actually the interest has gone to help plant about 30 churches by this time. All right, so closing a church isn't always a negative. it feels it feels really badly, you know. Just it's not what you want to do. But if if it came to that, then because I would the options are pretty good, they had somewhere yeah. else to go. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, they couldn't support a full time pastor. Yeah, um, they've been now, trying it for ten years. Yeah, and we've given it our best. Maybe somebody else could have taken it and done something with it. But, but the whole point I'm trying to make is looking back. Yeah, if you pray exactly how the money can be a blessing to others. Now thirty something church plants. Yep. have benefited and helped been started yep. Yep. through the interest earned yep. off the remaining asset after you went back right. and paid all your bills. That money was given to a mission agency, and through that, yep. 30 churches have been helped. Yep. But we did pay the former pastor back. He right. had already been paid back what he was owed way before all this. So, uh, And actually, the, the money in the trust fund is uh, over $300,000 today. Wow. So here it is now 30 years later and there's still potential for that could continue to help plant churches one time dr bud beerman when he was working with this program uh, he and i had a dinner with the remaining people from the old church and at that point 20 churches had been planted and he had done some research and found there were 2,000 people in attendance uh, at those 20 churches. Wow. So, I mean, that's got to be really gratifying yeah. to these people. So we held our agreement. I mean, actually, the mission agency, we had an agreement that they would report mm-hmm. periodically to the remaining lay leaders, including myself. So there were three of us. And so periodically, we would get a report. And I think you should. I think there should be accountability there. Looking back, is like incredible. And the interesting thing has been that I personally had a hand in training almost all of those 30 church planners wow. for church planning or ministry in general. So it, it's just like... So even though you're closing a church, you're launching out yeah. 30 others. Yeah. See, to me, that's the reason I wanted this story told. 
Yeah. I mean, because there are seasons of ministry and seasons for churches. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. And it's sad to see a church close. But because it closes doesn't mean their ministry is ended. And so That's the right. fruit of the yeah. seeds that have been yeah. planted for years yeah. and years and years. Yeah. So um, if, if anyone has any questions, again, they can contact me, Marshall Fant at GFA Missions. My email address is mfant at gfamissions.org. Again, today we've been talking to Bruce McAllister and a wonderful account of, you know, when to close a church. But the rest of the story is mm-hmm. that church continues to live. Yeah through the investment of the churches. Yeah. Bruce, any final comments you want to give? No, it's just, it's just wonderful in retrospect to see what God does. I tell you, it humbled me to have to go through this process. I, we were joking around about maybe we ought to entitle this disillusioned by dissolution, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, because it is, it is somewhat perplexing when you're in the middle of it, yeah. but then in retrospect, you have more of the 2020 vision, still not perfect, but you right. look back and think, look what God did. Yeah. And it, it's just to his glory that he does. And one of the words I love, again, this is the podcast ReChurch, so all the rewords, refocus, revitalize. I love the word rejoice. Amen. Because now we can rejoice 30 years later of saying, wow, even though this church closed, God used it for yeah. good. Yeah in the investment of 30 other churches. Bruce, thanks for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.